Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. And the word of God says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord Always, everybody say always. always, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we come before your presence. We give you honor. We give you glory. We thank you, Jesus, because uh, once again, Lord, we're able to be in your, in your house. We're able to uh, come here, Lord. We're able to raise our arms, raise our hands in worship, raise our voices and sing songs of victory, sing songs that exalt you, Lord. And today, Lord, uh, we just ask you that you move in our hearts and you move in our lives, Lord, as we study your word and what your word has to say for us. I ask you, Lord, that you speak into my heart. I ask you, Lord, to speak into the heart of my neighbor of my brother and my sister, of each person that is here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Give God a hand, praise. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Last week we started a new sermon series. We're in the second week now. Uh, We're calling it Home. It's a series on the family Amen. So this series is a, is a series where we're, we're learning, we're working through several things um, as we go. I, I mentioned last week we're going to be studying through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, I, chapter 5 and chapter 6. And I, I encourage you, hey, why don't we spend some time these next few weeks learning and reading Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 to see what God has to say so God can start working in our lives. And, and I, I know some of you did it. I know maybe some of you weren't able to get around to it, but I encourage you this week, if you read it last week, read it again. Read the two chapters again, Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6. Uh, last week we spoke on, uh, from the subject, the way of love, because 
the reality is that if we're going to build a foundation for our family, if we're going to build or if we're going to have a stepping stone in our family, it's going to be love. If there's no love, then the rest that we're going to speak on, the rest that we're going to talk about, we're going to look at, we're going to examine, it really won't have anything to stand on because we need the foundation of love. And last week, we began and we talked from the subject of the way of love and how we are to love one another uh, as Christ loved us. Amen? Um, And and this week, we're going to be speaking from the subject of a family light. A family light. We're excited because we're going to spend about four to five weeks in this subject of the home leading up to Father's Day. Um, I'm going to be honest. I stole this idea from somebody. Somebody mentioned to me, you know, I use Mother's Day to Father's Day to speak on the family. I thought, man, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that too. I had been wanting to speak on the family. I thought this is a great time to do it then. So leading up to Father's Day, we're going to speak on the family. Week four, not next week, but the following week, we're going to have a special guest speaker that will be speaking to us also on the family. We're excited to have him, and I hope that you guys are going to be here. Amen? And I believe God is moving in such a way. And I told you last week, I believe that our lives, not just our individual lives, but our families' lives will be deeply impacted these coming weeks. Because these are, these are challenging subjects in our lives. These are challenging things in our hearts because we all ask the question, whether you're single or you're married, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, we all ask the questions about relationships. We ask the question of whether or not we're good parents or not. We ask the question of whether or not I'm a good spouse or not. We ask the question of whether or not I'm a good uh, Fiance, girlfriend, boyfriend, what am I doing in my relationship that is in me, that is around me, that I'm involved in to to make it grow and not just grow in a manner where it's a selfish growth, but a a growth where I'm growing to to serve that person that I'm in a relationship, amen, and and that we're together growing in Christ. So this week we're, we're speaking on a family life. And the question becomes, because we see here in the first two verses, Ephesians 5, verse 8, verse 9, that he says, Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then the next sentence says, live as children of light. Live as children of light. Now, that that may seem like a pretty simple Simple five words, it may seem pretty straightforward, but the reality is that there's a a lot of challenges in those five words. Live as children of light. When our world is consumed with careers, our world is consumed with work, our world is consumed with trying to make sure we're, we're doing good for our family, we're doing good for our children, we're doing good uh, uh, for those around us, and, and we're busy with different occupations in our children. We have sports, we have school, we have different things that keep us occupied. At work, we have different stresses that keep us occupied. Even at church, praise God, we have different activities, different events that keep us occupied. And the Word of God says that the mission that you and I have is to live as light. Live as light. 
And verse 8 says, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light. You are light in the Lord. I mean, this is the gospel. Where we once were dead, now we're alive. Where we once were in darkness because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. Now we can walk in the light. But not only should we walk in the light, we should live our lives in the light. And I believe that these verses that, that, that follow verse 8 and verse 9, it impacts a lot of truth for us if we, if we dig down into it. And the very next verse, verse 10, the very first thing it says is that find what pleases God. Find what pleases God. God. In a relationship, I think that for most normal, most healthy relationships, there's always the give and take. There's always the, the deposits you make into that other person, and there's always the returns you get from that other person. And in most healthy relationships, the one or the other is looking to please the other person. I remember I was dating my wife. Here goes another dating story, amen? And one of the things that I grew up in my household, and um, I, I grew up in a household where we celebrated a lot of things, but we didn't make a big deal out of things, okay? Um, just yesterday, my dad was reminding me that, that, that we never did birthday parties for us. I was like, thanks for reminding me, Dad. <laughs> That's awesome. But... You know, we didn't celebrate things in a big manner. And one of the things that we celebrated at church, but outside of church we didn't celebrate, was Easter. And I remember I was dating my wife, and as Easter was rolling around, all of a sudden my, my wife started speaking of some, something called an Easter, Easter basket. And I was like, what is this Easter basket you speak of? I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of such a concept. Well, I began to realize that an Easter basket was expected of me <laughs> as Easter came. Now, this is the time, and I shared this story with, with Randy a, a few weeks back in Easter. And, and this was a time where there was no, no internet. There was not, I mean, I'm sure it was in its infancy because Al Gore had just invented it, right? And, and, there was not that access to find out what is an Easter basket. And I'm trying to figure out what the heck is an Easter basket. I've never even heard of an Easter basket. I thought the bunny was the devil. <laughs> so, because I'm trying to please my wife, I, I start trying to figure out and looking. So the very first place I was telling Randy that I went to was to Hallmark. I figured if somebody knows what an Easter basket is going to be Hallmark. And I went, and, and sure enough, as I walk into Hallmark, they had some already prepared uh, Easter baskets there with uh, different candies, greeting cards, different, different things that, um, that, that you could give. And so I, got, I began to gather an idea. I began to work at this, and I began to go to different stores, and I, I ended up buying a basket. I went, you know, with very, very manly, going, bought a basket, Walk out with a basket, kind of like looking around, making sure I was looking. I mean, it was a beautiful basket. And then there I am buying different little magazines, different candies, her favorite candies, and I'm stuffing it with fake green grass. Guys, we go through great lengths to please others. Amen. 
And when we are in a relationship, we will go to, uh, to wherever we need to go to please that person. And here Paul is telling us, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. Have you ever asked that question, what pleases God? Have you ever even asked a scarier question, am I pleasing to God? See, the reality is that there are few believers that truly believe they are pleasing to God. Most of us feel some sort of uh, forgiveness and maybe some acceptance from God. But to think that the Lord Almighty is completely pleased with you and with me, I mean, that's, that's a whole different thing. Because a person, I can choose to love someone, amen? I can love my son. I can love my daughter. I can pour myself out into them. But it doesn't mean that they completely please me in their actions, in the things that they do. Because when we're talking about pleasing, we're talking about performance. We're talking about how you and I act, how you and I behave. And believe me, I don't think it would have gone well for me if I hadn't showed up on Easter without an Easter basket. I was being graded on my performance. And none of us can be truly 100% pleasing to God through our performance. Come on, church. Let that settle in because I think I've mentioned this before, but let's look at this screen here. Can you imagine if we hooked up a couple of HDMI cords to your brain? And we allowed for a whole week of, of video from your brain to, to play on this big screen? Right? Thank God no one's invented this yet, right? Why? Because there are still things in our hearts that need to be addressed. We are flawed people. We are, honestly, church, we're still sinners at the end of the day. Romans 3, 23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But again, this is what God, this is what Jesus did for you. This is what Jesus did for you. This is what Jesus did for me. That which I couldn't live. That which I couldn't uphold. He came into this world. He suffered. He fought. He lived so that I could live the life that I could never live. But yet here Paul still says find out what pleases the Lord. And as I was kind of digging around on this and, and studying this, thinking about this, I believe I came through to, some, to, to a couple of verses that just point us to where we need to go. Okay? To live a life that is pleasing to God. And what springboards us into a life that is pleasing to God is just one thing. That's faith. See, Jesus was one time walking with the crowds. He was having a conversation. And in John chapter 6, verse 28, it says that they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one 
he has sent. See, we, we have a little difficulty adjusting this in our hearts because, hey, wait a minute. Isn't church about all the things that I need to do to be right before God? Isn't it about uh, step A, I got to do this. Step B, I got to leave that. Step C, I got to stop doing that. Step D. Uh, no, the first thing that you and I need to do is we need to have faith. Because in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to God must believe that he exists. When you and I believe that he's real, when you and I come to terms with the fact that there is a God that loves you, there is a God that cares for you, there is a God that wants to be close to you, the Bible says that he rewards them who earnestly seek him. Faith is so important, church. Faith is so important because God can see the heart. Faith starts in the heart and God sees the heart. See, it doesn't matter what I look like on the outside, church, because you guys don't know my heart. You don't know what's in it. You don't know if there's junk. You don't know if there's purity. You don't know if there's good thoughts. You don't know if there's bad thoughts. You don't know what's in my life. You don't know what's in my heart. But God does. God does. So as families, we should be living in faith. We should be passing our faith to our children. We should be passing our faith to our partner, our spouse. We should be passing our faith to our brothers and our sisters, our mom and our dad, our cousins, everyone around us. When you and I walk in the light, when you and I live in the light, we are, we are oozing faithfulness. No one can walk away from spending time with us without knowing that we're children of the light. Praise God. I don't know if you've ever spent some time with someone, then you come to find out that they're churchgoers and that, they, that they're uh, involved in, in church, and you're like, oh, wow, really? Interesting. I mean, not to judge anyone necessarily, but Jesus said that by your by their fruits, they will be known. If they are my disciples, if they're my followers, if they love me, you will see an expression of that love in their lives. So the very first thing we need to do is we need to find out what pleases God, and we need to have faith in our lives. I would submit to you that those that say, well, then that, that means that if I have faith, that's all I need. I can, I can live how I want because I do have faith. I do believe in God. I do believe Jesus came and died for me. So it's all right. It's okay. Grace is available. Mercy is, big, is enough for me. Well, in a, in a certain manner, yeah, grace is available. But I would submit to you that if you think like that, you're not a born-again Christian. Because when you and I are born again and we live in faith, there are changes. I will look for that Easter basket. I will look how to please my God. I will look to find out where is my God. Oh, he's at church. I'm going to be at church. He's at my small group. I'll be at my small group. He's in the word. I'm going to read the word. He's in the preaching. I'm going to listen to the preaching. He's in my worship. I'm going to worship. When you and I are true born again, believers of Christ. We're not going to have that mentality, I can do what I want to do, because after all, there is grace available to me. 
First, we must find, find what pleases God. The second thing we got to do, according to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 11, it says that, that we have to expose darkness in our lives. So verse 11 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Now here's where we, we dig down a little bit, because we don't like to talk about our secrets. We don't like to talk about those things that we keep hidden from everybody else, because they're hidden for a reason. They, they, they make us feel shame. And there are things that live in us that are in darkness. There are lies, there are situations, there's actions that you and I may not want for them to be exposed. But church, the problem is that the longer we keep them in darkness, the longer we don't expose them, we become adjusted to them. The other day I, I walked into my, my daughter's room and the lights were were really dark, really low because she's got a, a couple of little night lights. She had the main lights off and it was dark in there and she was reading a book. And as any good parent, right, will say, it's too dark. You can't be reading that book. She said, oh, I can see. It's okay. I can see it. Well, it may be true, right? It may be true. Why? Because her eyes adjusted. But you and I know We've been taught, we've learned, we've gone to the eye doctor, and we understand that when you and I spend a lot of time reading in the dark, what begins to happen? Our eyes get strained. Our eyes get tired. And there can be a long-term damage that occurs. And it's the same thing in our spiritual lives where we get accustomed to certain things that are in the dark and at first, it's a bit of a strain. We, we're having a hard time seeing. We're having a hard time dealing with it. But the more we spend on it, our eyes adjust. And we continue living that. And though we may not feel the effects right away, believe me, church, the effects of the sin are coming. That strain will catch up to you. You and I need to ask God to shine a light into the darkness. It says, if there is darkness in your heart, if there is darkness in your life, don't keep it under wraps. Expose it to the light so that it can be seen, so that it can be addressed, so that it can be taken care of, so that you can get help, so that I can get help. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. We don't like exposing it because then people see it. But see, there's a beautiful promise here where it says that everything that is illuminated then becomes a light. That means that my shame, my sin, 
The thing that I was scared to, to, to have exposed, once it's been exposed, once it's been under the light of God, now it becomes a building block in my life where, yeah, I used to be this way, and you're this way right now, but now that I've exposed it, now that I walk in the light, Jesus, help me have victory over this addiction. Jesus, help me have victory over this battle that I was having, and now the victory that I had can be yours. And it becomes a shining light, a beacon for others to believe that, yeah, there is a God that will help me, will love me in the situation I find myself. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul asked the question, what fellowship can light have with darkness? Do not deceive yourself, church. Light and darkness do not go together. They do not go together. It's like oil and water. They just don't mix. Either darkness is going to flood your, wor- your world or the light is going to flood your world. Do not think that we can play at church with one foot in and one foot out. God does not want just a part of you. God wants all of you. Jesus was upset in Revelation and speaking to the church and said, you are neither hot, you are neither cold, you are lukewarm. You're one foot in, one foot out. I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold because I will spit you out of my mouth. Have you ever drank lukewarm coffee? Some of you might like it, but I think most of us will be like, ooh, I need to warm it up. Because either we want iced coffee or we want hot coffee, <laughs> right? John verse three, chapter 3, verse 20 says, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the f- truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Church, expose your family. Expose your relationship to the light. Don't be afraid to point out things that are not right within your home. Do not allow for sin to invade your home. Stand tall. Stand in your beliefs. Stand in the word of God and say, son, that is not acceptable before God. Daughter, I will not allow that under my roof. Wife, husband. These are difficult talks at times. But if you and I are going to be a family of light, these are necessary talks in our lives. Be wise. Especially when you're dealing with spouse, spouses, husband, and wife relationships. Pray, then address. Make sure you're praying. Make sure you're bringing it before God's throne, and then you address it with your spouse. But we got to expose darkness in our families. We got to bring it to the light. If we need to get help, we'll get help. If we need a counselor, we get a counselor. Whatever you and I must do, We have to live our lives in the light. Why? Why do we need to do this? Because a family that pleases God 
can change the world. It doesn't matter whether you're just a single parent and children. It doesn't matter whether you're just a married couple and no children. It doesn't matter if you have six, seven kids. It doesn't matter if you're boyfriend, girlfriend. All of us, if you're a family unit that pleases God, you and I can change the world. You and I can change our city. You and I can change our community. We can change our workplaces. We can change our neighborhoods. But we have to walk in the light. Psalm 126 verse 2. There's a beautiful two verses that says here. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. See what happens when you and I live in the light. There is joy in our hearts despite the situation. Despite the storms of life. There will be Joy in our hearts, there will be peace. And the other people will look and say, wow, they're laughing in the midst of the storm. Wow, there's peace every time they come home. The Lord must have done something great for their lives. When you and I live as families in the light, we become a testimony to the world. Homes filled with peace and joy as we walk in the spirit are pleasing to God And they're downright attractive to the world. Come on. You cannot tell me that you've looked at a family and you say, Wow, I wish our family was a little bit more like that. Now, you can't look at every single family and do that because you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. But there is always a sense of we can do better. We can do, we can reach more. We can attain more. And see, people around us, they want that source that you have. They want to see that real love that affects family dynamics. Why? Because when our family is filled with God's light and we're filled with God's love, we become a life-giving family. We become a a family with purpose. We become a family that is generous. We become a family with joy and peace. So how do we do this? It sounds good, Pastor. I'm on board. I believe it. But how do I actually put it in action? I believe that as we read also through here, we see four ways that we can do this. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 16, the first thing it says, use every opportunity. It says in verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So I thought I'd demonstrate it this way. We're talking about family. When a child is born, from the day they're born to the day that they turn 18, we have about 936 weeks where you and I can truly affect our children. So there's some rocks that are in this bottle. There's 936 weeks represented here. From when our child first comes home, we have 936 weeks. This is the time that you and I have to affect their lives, to influence their lives. The verse says to use every opportunity. But see, you got to understand that by the time they reach nine years old, half of this is gone already. 
We're at 468 weeks. And when they reach nine years old, there's only 312 weeks left until they get a driver's license. That's it. That's all you got. This is nine years old. I, I don't want to make you depressed. And those of you that don't have kids, listen very carefully because I wish somebody had kind of explained some of this to me when, when I didn't have any kids. But time flies by. Let me tell you another truth. Your children are not going to live with you forever. Even our daughters will not live with us forever. They won't. Yeah, you're going to see them on occasion. They'll come over every once in a while. You'll see them on the holidays. They're, they're going to call you. But it's never the same once they move out. The word of God says to make use of every opportunity. So as a family, what are we doing? Some of us, we're way past this. Some of us are here. Some of us are here. And every week that passes by, we take out another rock. Another week goes by. And we take out another rock. Oh, this week I was a little too busy. I had to go work a little bit extra because I needed to provide. And another rock goes out. This week, oh, I, I was just too tired. The week was really long. Yeah, I was home, but I, I needed to spend time. I needed some me time. And I, I just could Oh, oh, it's football season. Let's take out 16 rocks here. We got to take them out. It's cowboy season, right? Christmas, I got to spend it with the family, my mom, my dad, my relatives, so let's take a couple more out. And before you know it, it's like, oh, where'd the time go? Make every use. Make, every, make use of every opportunity that you have. How, how do I do this, Pastor? Well, Ephesians 5.18 says to, to not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Well, what is wine and opportunity? And time? Well, I, I believe, yes, number one, we can literally look at wine and say, no, I shouldn't be getting drunk because that takes time from everything. And I just want to, I'm going to do a quick, quick drive-by on this, okay? Understand, you taking a sip of wine is not a sin. That's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is getting drunk on wine. That's the sin. Now, here at City Church, we don't, we, we, we tell anyone that's going to be on the platform, we as pastors, as ministers, whoever will be a minister, we will, we will demand from our people not to drink because we believe it's healthier. I think it's sound advice. It's good for us and it's good for our families. We've seen so many. I've seen in my own family, in my extended family, I've seen so much that has happened that has affected because wine because and what happens before you know it time has gone by because I needed to spend time with my buddies 
And there's another week, there's another week. Mom, the wife is at home wanting her husband, or sometimes it's the other way. The husband is at home wanting the wife. So the second thing is that we need to cut distractions in our lives, whether it's wine. And this wine can represent any other thing. Those hobbies that you have that take a lot of time, maybe that football season, oh, my gosh. That hurts. It really does. And that, the Lord is speaking to me right now. I was like, why did I even say that, God? Why? <laughs> Cut distractions in your life. Whatever this wine represents, whatever addiction it may be, whatever hobby pastime it may be, whatever it is that you think that is good, but you're really stealing time from your family because you got to make use of every opportunity. Time does not wait for you. Time does not wait for me. Make use of your time. You got to cut distractions. And instead of distractions, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And in, and in verse 19, it says, speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns, with songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Church, it means that in our family, there should be worship that is being expressed from mom, from dad. And as that worship is expressed, as you and I speak to one another in psalms and in thanksgiving, and we sing with the Spirit in our lives, our children begin to learn that from us. Family worship Family worship is so important. I was having this discussion with my wife because I'm going to be the first one to say, I'm not perfect at this. Yeah, I'm the pastor. Yes, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not perfect at this because just like you and I, I work. Just like you, I work. Unlike you, I have two jobs. <laughs> well, some of you might have two jobs. But... We work, we worry, we stress, we go through different things, and it's not the easiest thing to find worship time within our family. You get home, you're tired, you've gone to soccer practice, you've gone to baseball practice, you've gone to work, you got chewed out by your boss, there's been a lot of stress on you because you got to meet the deadline, and, and the last thing when you get home you want to do is argue with the kids and try to bring them together to sing Kumbaya. Let's be honest. If this doesn't happen to you, then I need to learn from you. I don't know what you're doing. But this is the reality. I'm going to go a little bit over time today. Please bear with me. Uh, this is the reality. But God says, use Time And as I was sitting here, I was remembering, and I was kind of going over this in my head. I remember what uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and I, I turned my Bible to it, and I was reading it. And the Word of God, it, it's, it's so, you may think it may be a little bit uh, un, unattainable, but there is so much practical advice here. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, it's not up here because 
I didn't have this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. What God has told us, what God is telling us right now, this needs to be in our hearts. But what else does it need to be? These, number verse 7, impress them on your children. And here's the practical advice. Talk about them when you're sitting at home. What do you talk about when you sit at home? You want to be a good influence and you want to speak about worship. What is coming out of your mouth at home? Are you criticizing your husband again to your kids? Are you criticizing your wife again? Are you complaining again about life? How it's been unfair? That God doesn't have you where you're supposed to be? What is coming out of your mouth? At home. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you lay, lie down, and when you get up. This has been one of the things that, I, that happens at my house, that my daughter cannot go to sleep until I put her in bed. And I, I do love it, but sometimes it's very inconvenient. Because <laughs> I got to go upstairs, and I'm tired, and, and, and it's, but it's an expectation she has of me. And I spend time with her and I tell her what a wonderful young lady she is. The potential God's put in her. I try to speak life into her. I pray over her. And I'll go around to the boys and I say, you guys are all right too. And I pray for them. Talk about them when you sit at home. When you, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. All right, so the kids are back. But I'm going to say this even though the kids are here. What happens when you travel? I want you to pay attention. What happens when you travel? I, I think that one of the, my pet peeves, and I tell them over and over, when we're in the car, I do not want to see earbuds in the ears. Because this is really the only time where they can't escape. They're not going to jump out of the car. If I need to talk to them, I can talk to them. If my wife needs to say something, she'll say something. And vice versa, if they need to speak, they can talk to us. We're together as a family. We're heading somewhere. There's an anticipation of where we're going. Make use of every opportunity, church. Make your vehicles a no-device zone. That goes for you too, mom. That goes for you too, dad, if, you get, if you're blessed enough to get driven around. <laughs> we get upset because our kids are on Facebook or they're always on their devices. Well, what are we doing? What are we modeling? What are we? This, this hits close to me too, okay? This is not just, this is not, I'm not, again, I'm not perfect. But these are things that God is, as, as I'm growing and I'm maturing, I, I feel God is speaking to me. I'm realizing that my, I'm running out of rocks. I wanted to use marbles because I wanted to say you're losing your marbles, church. 
The marbles were a little bit too expensive. <laughs> Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. In God we trust. For I know the plans to prosper you. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm not telling you to go buy some bracelets, but uh, what I'm saying is that there's got to be constant reminders in our heads. I know my heart. I need to be reminded of who I am on occasion. Verse 9, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I don't care how cheesy you may think that the Lord is my shepherd in this big old frame in your house may look. You got to remind your family who they are. Because as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what your family is going to do. But as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. Because he has done great things for me. The last thing is be grateful. Again, what's coming out of our mouths? Another complaint? Another complaint about our about. The church? No, you guys don't complain about that church. The church, right? It's only other churches. <laughs> Be grateful. Amen. Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. Amen. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We can be a family light to other families, all the while bringing love and peace to our own families. Last week, I gave you guys a discussion question for your car ride home. You guys all survived the week, so I'm assuming World War III did not break out in the car. Okay? That's awesome. You guys are here. I have three questions for you, so I want you to get your cameras and take a picture of this because uh, you're probably not going to write it because it's three questions. These are the things that I want to invite you and encourage you to discuss on your way home. I want to invite you to to discuss with your uh, husband, your children, with if, if you're if you're engaged with your fiance, if you're dating with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. The first question is, what is the biggest threat to joy and peace in our home lately? The second question is, how can we eliminate it and cultivate more of the fruit of the Spirit together? And the third question is, how can we better walk in the light? How can we better walk in the light? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Father, I come before you today. Lord, I am so thankful. I'm so grateful for your word.